Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. It's lovely to see all of you today who've been baptised already. It's great to see everybody else who's here. And it's great to have you joining us online as well. I hope you've been blessed and touched as I have so far. The worship's been amazing. The words have really touched me and blessed me. I hope they have you. So it is a real pleasure and an honour to be speaking at one of our most exciting services of the year. It's also St George's Day and the London Marathon. Um, is that why our numbers are a bit lower? People are running? No, I don't know. Anyway, it's a special day. It's a big day that some of you are going to remember for the rest of your lives. Don't you love baptisms? Yes. There was one, there's one person over there. I'll try that again. Don't you love baptisms? Yes. Yeah, I do. I love baptisms. So as you'd expect, we'll be thinking about baptism today and what it means to us. But also I'm going to try to introduce this letter of the Galatians or to the Galatians. So Galatians was written in about AD 48-49 by the Apostle Paul. And he was writing to four churches in the Roman province of Galatia. They were churches that he knew well because he'd started them. He planted them only a few years before. So he wasn't so much writing to the churches as the people in the churches that he already knew. The letter was written to refute or to contradict, correct, challenge the teaching of a group that had infiltrated, joined the church, a group called the Judaizers. Judaizers. That's the one. Judaizers. And, and they were saying that Gentile believers, non-Jewish believers, needed to be circumcised and they needed to follow the Old Testament laws to be accepted by God as real Christians. What do you think about that? Well, Paul wasn't happy. He wasn't happy. And so uh, people say that this letter, he wrote lots of letters, this one is the most passionate. It's the most forceful. And it's fairly combative. You know, he's ready for a fight because he is being criticized and the gospel is being changed. Paul responded by saying these three things. We have already been accepted by God because of Jesus. Amen? We have. Okay. Secondly, we have been freed from guilt and condemnation that actually came through the law and through trying to follow rules. And thirdly, God loves us and empowers us to live a transformed life. Is that right? Is that your experience? Yes. Great. Thank you. Thank you over there. That's good. Now, you, you may have wondered what I'm doing with this, but at this point I thought I'd introduce my favourite condiment. Now, it is uh, red pepper, so- hot pepper sauce. Um, it's the Encona brand. I'm not part of the company. I don't make any money from that. Other brands are available. I think it's fantastic myself, but... Let me just say that condiments, I think, uh, can be interpreted three different ways. 
The first is uh, that a condiment can bring out the flavor that's already in the meal. Or, or maybe the, uh, the condiment can add flavor to the meal. Or maybe some of you are thinking, no, this condiment is going to absolutely spoil the meal altogether. Yeah, should we have a quick vote? Uh, is this condiment today for your lunch, is it going to draw out the flavor of the food? Anybody? Yes? Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, few of you, yeah. Um, is it going to add something good and extra to the meal? Good, I've got some over there. Yeah, some up there. Good. Is it going to spoil the meal altogether? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the trouble with adding a condiment is that the, sh the chef or the cook can easily be offended. They easily think to themselves, uh, they're criticizing me. They're saying that the meal wasn't complete, wasn't good enough, was uh, lacking something. And this is what was happening with Paul, or rather with the, the, the group of the Judaizers. Judaizers. Anyway, this group, they were saying, you, Paul, you've missed some of the essential ingredients out of the gospel, but it's okay, we can add them later. And Paul responded by saying, no, because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, these things are pointless and they're destructive. They're going to spoil it. Now, I should add that... Uh, we have a religious practice called baptism. Now that isn't like a condiment, okay? It's not something that can be added afterwards. It's actually part and parcel of the whole deal, of the whole meal, you might say. It is an essential ingredient, and it's there because it is important and it's powerful. Let me just go through some points about baptism and how I think it is important and powerful to us. The first is that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. And God spoke audibly on that occasion, saying, This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. I believe that God spoke that over you today as you followed Jesus into the waters of baptism. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit at his baptism. And we can expect the same in baptism. Thirdly, Jesus instructed his disciples to baptize future generations of disciples like us. So it must be important. Fourthly, it reminds us of the death of Jesus and the rising of Jesus. Jesus came back to life and we also die to our old life and rise to a new life in the power of the Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Fifthly, it's a public declaration of a personal faith and a personal experience of God in our lives. And in addition, it's, uh, we identify with the church. We're saying we're coming into this as members of the church, the body of Christ. Finally, the sixth idea that I've had is that it is a step of discipleship. In baptism, we are choosing. Did you notice that was one of the questions? Do you choose to be baptized? Nobody is forcing this. 
We are choosing to walk more closely with God. If you like, if you like, we are saying we are all in. As we go into the water and under the water, we're saying, take all of me. We're not just dipping our toe in, but we're giving our all to Jesus. We want to be fully committed. Now, let's have a look at Galatians uh, and move on a little bit. I'm just going to highlight five themes in Galatians. And I'm going to try to link these to baptism as well. So the first theme is that there is only one true gospel. Right at the beginning, beginning of Galatians, chapter 1 and verse 3, we have these words. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present age, evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. Now, those are wonderful words. They're powerful words. It's a good greeting. But I want to draw your attention to the first word, grace. It's grace. In a nutshell, that sums up the gospel. Now, grace is an interesting word that we can uh, define like this, God's riches at Christ's expense. Or we might say, it's God's undeserved favor on me. It's a personal thing that I don't deserve, but he gives us. In chapter 2, and verse 16, we read these words. We know that a person is not justified, not made right, by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ. Have you put your faith in Jesus? Have you been justified, put right in the eyes of God? I hope so. Another verse that's really helpful, and many of you will know it, is John chapter 3 and verse 16. And that says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his Son, that whoever believes in him should not die, but have everlasting life. Now, if you're here today and you're visiting, maybe you're a friend of one of the guys that got baptized, or maybe you're watching online and uh, you're not a Christian and you're wondering, you're thinking about Christianity. I've said there is one true gospel, but what is this gospel? And let me give you four very simple points that will help us to understand it and help us to pass it on as well. So the first point is that God loves us and created us for a loving and close relationship with him. The second point is that we have rebelled against God's ways, his plans for us. We've gone our own way. The third, this is where the good news starts again, that God has provided a way back. He's provided a savior, Jesus, his son, who died as a perfect sacrifice to restore that broken relationship. Fourthly, we can be forgiven and experience a new life in relationship with God if we accept that Jesus died for us personally and we ask him to forgive us personally. That's the good news. 
the gospel of Jesus in four quick and simple points. But let me point you to another verse in Galatians. This is a verse that I learned and Linda learned the year that we met, which was 1987. We were doing a discipleship training course, school, and this is a verse that I can still remember, I think. Let's give it a go. So, Galatians 2 and verse 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, I'd encourage you to learn that verse and many others, but it's a good one. It's great to have scripture in our heads and in our hearts. It helps us to remember who we are, what Christ did for us. We have been crucified. We've put the past behind us. We've started something new with Jesus. My second point is a changed life. Now, in chapter 1, verse 13, Paul writes the following. You know what I was like before. Now, he was open about his mistakes. He was open about his background. He knew these people and they knew him. You know what I was like before, he says. He was very religious. He was born into a religious family. He did everything right according to the law. But you know, that law led to hatred and violence and persecution of the church. But the implication in these words, you knew what I was like before, is you know what I'm like now. Before, before Jesus. Now, after I met Jesus. Paul's life was transformed after an encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. You can read about it in Acts chapter 9. His understanding was turned upside down. His perspective on Jesus and the church was redefined. His values were changed. His priorities were changed. His attitude towards others and to religion in general was transformed and everyone could see it. I've been really blessed this morning listening to, it was four stories, wasn't it? Just four of the 12 of you, we've heard how God has been active in your lives since you had an encounter with Jesus. I was blessed and encouraged. I'm sure all of us were, and I would love to hear more about that. All of us have a story. If we've met Jesus, we have a story of change, of transformation, and God hasn't finished with us yet. He's still changing us now. Now, God changes our present and he changes our future, but he can't change our past. However, he can set us free from our past. And that brings us to our third theme in the book of Galatians, freedom and slavery. Some of you will know very well the first verse of chapter 5 that says it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. So don't allow yourselves to be enslaved or weighed down once again by rules and regulations. Now you might say to me, I'm not going to let that happen. No, no, I'm a follower of Jesus. I am free. I'm going to stay free. But it can happen and it does happen. 
Paul knew all about the slavery that comes from cold, rigid, and religious practices. We've heard a little bit about that from Iran, from your stories this morning. It's hard, it's difficult, but Paul had also experienced real freedom and real life after meeting Jesus. Have you experienced this? Freedom and life. I hope you have. If, if you haven't, then maybe it's religion that you've got and not Jesus. Maybe it is. And maybe today is the day to turn away from religion and turn to Jesus. You know, slavery can be very obvious, but it can also be subtle, subtle and it can grow slowly in us. So in chapter 5 and verse 7, Paul says, you were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? And for those of us who didn't get baptised today, and perhaps got baptised 30, 40, or five years ago, uh, maybe Paul is, is asking us that question today. It's a gentle question. It's a statement, you were running the race so well. What's happened? Who's been holding you back? Or what has been holding you back? So, for instance, it might be, you were running the race so well, you were reading your Bible every day, you were devouring it, you were praying, you were going to prayer meetings. You were speaking to your friends about Jesus and inviting them to church. Maybe you were, you were reading those testimonies of Christian missionaries or pioneers, people whose lives had been changed. You were doing all of those things. You were volunteering. You were the first in line when they needed volunteers at church. Who or what has been holding you back? Or slowing you down. Now maybe it's our friends. Maybe it's our acquaintances. Maybe it's our responsibilities that are just taking over the time that we once devoted to Jesus. Maybe it's influences uh, are online. Even Christian influences. I don't know. That are taking us away from the key things. Here's a clue. In uh, chapter 5 and verse 15... Paul talks about criticism, judgment, lack of grace, all, by the way, marks of a legalistic life, of somebody who's trying to live by rules and regulations. Those will hold us back in our walk or our run with God. In verse 13, chapter 5, Paul says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy the sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. In Corinthians, Paul says this. He says, as Christians, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. You know, there aren't that many rules and regulations for us. In a way, we can do lots of things. We're free to do lots of things. I wonder if God is trying to speak to some of us today to say, hold on, maybe you're taking liberties. Maybe you've taken your freedom too far. The fourth theme that we come across here, or that I can see, is faith and love. Wonderful, wonderful theme. So chapter 5 and verse 6, for in Christ Jesus there is neither circumcision nor 
uncircumcision. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Now I wonder, over this last week, what have you done in love that has come out of your faith? What has your faith in Jesus, your relationship with Jesus, led you to do in love towards other people? I hope there are some things that come to mind. Faith expressing itself through love. I believe that the, the baptisms that we saw today were an expression of faith and love going forward with God and saying, I love you, Jesus. Paul's first experience of faith expressing itself in love, in my opinion, was when he met a man called Ananias, again in Acts chapter 9. And this guy, uh, three days before, would have been a target for persecution. But he called him brother. He went to Paul and he called him brother. He may have been afraid, but that's how he spoke to him. This will have had a profound impact on Paul. And in the words that we had read to us earlier, uh, from chapter 3, 26, 27, 28, Christ Jesus, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. We are part of a new family. Ananias could call Paul brother. We can call you brother, brother and sister, because we're part of that same family because of Jesus. We're a new, loving family, and we inspire each other, don't we? We encourage each other, and we challenge each other to love and good works. And Paul says in Galatians that in this family, there is no longer rich and poor, black and white, male and female, and maybe even British-born and refugee or non-British-born. We are equal, equally loved and accepted by God. By the way, there were several things that happened when Ananias met Paul. First, he called him brother. Then he laid hands on him, and there was a healing. He received his sight. He was prayed for. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And what was the next thing that happened? He was baptized. Yeah, so we see that baptism comes quite early in our walk with Jesus, and it is such an important part of coming to Jesus. Fifthly, the fifth theme that I see in Galatians is the power of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 3 and verse 2, we read these words. I would like to learn just one thing from you. There's a question he poses to these churches. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Well, we know the answer to that, don't we? Not by obeying the law, but by believing in Jesus and accepting him. We've read these words about the fruit of the Spirit already, but let me read them again. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now, maybe we could also read, these things can't come 
through the law. These things can't come through following rules and regulations. They come through a life experience with the Holy Spirit as he fills us and empowers us. And verse 25 in chapter 5 says this, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Now we know that after Jesus was baptised, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness, into a desert place, a difficult place. Now, my prayer for you who've been baptised today, and in fact for all of you, and for myself, is that the Holy Spirit won't choose to lead us into a desert place. But he might do. He might do. And we need to be obedient to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit wherever he leads us to rely on his strength and his power, on his encouragement and filling. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we read that power comes on us when the Holy Spirit comes on us. Power to be his witnesses. And that's why we have the Holy Spirit. So that this good news that we have received can be passed on. So that we, like Paul, can learn from Ananias. We can learn from somebody, but we can also teach somebody else. And that is my prayer for all of us this week. Let me pray as, as I close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this good news, the true good news that Jesus saves when we put our faith in him. Thank you for the good news that you fill us with your Holy Spirit. You transform our lives. You bring us close to you and you lead us into good things, sometimes difficult times. Father, I pray for all of us today that this week we would be led by you. We would be emboldened by you. That we would do things out of love and faith and that we would speak the name of Jesus to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the St. George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.